The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. How are you now? <laughs> how are you now? Uh, how am I now? Well, I'm not very glad that I asked. I'm, uh, I'm not doing terrific at the moment. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Uh, your Montreal Canadiens lose 6 to nothing to the Pittsburgh Penguins on home ice, having the sixth goal against cheered sarcastically by their own fans in what can only be described as a complete embarrassment to the city of Montreal and to the Montreal Canadiens. Um, hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes on the Prize. I am Matt Drake and uh, I am pissed off! I'm pissed off. You know, I wish that I had it in me to be a bandwagon fan. I wish that I had it in me to just say, you know what, fuck it, uh, go Lightning, right? And just pick a good team and, and roll with them like some people do. I wish I had that in me, uh, but I don't. I, I cheer for like precisely three teams in my life. I have been a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan since I was like five years old. Nobody believes me about that because they won the Super Bowl last year, so everybody thinks that I just bought my jerseys and everything last year. And became a fan, but no, I, I cheered for them since I was five. I cheered for them, you know, when they won the Super Bowl when I was twelve in two thousand and two, uh, and cheered for them all the way through the dark ages where we couldn't find ourselves a quarterback until Tom Brady showed up uh, and saved the day. I have cheered for the Montreal Expos my entire life. They don't exist anymore, so I kind of lend myself to the Toronto Blue Jays in the interim until they come back. We are getting close, it seems, to to having. The Montreal Expos back in Montreal, um, but for the time being, you know, I lend myself to the Blue Jays. I, I lend myself. I'm not there permanently. I'm not bandwagoning them. I'm just supporting the only remaining Canadian team until mine comes back. Uh, and of course, I cheer for the Montreal Canadiens, le club de hockey canadien, and I have cheered for the Montreal Canadiens my entire life. I have the logo. <laughs> tattooed on my chest I I would love to be able to bandwagon another team I'd love to be able to just abandon this team and, and go do something else but I don't have it in me I, I don't uh, when I devote myself to a team I devote myself completely uh, I can't wait for the Olympics I, I cannot because of course I also cheer for Team Canada uh, when it comes to international competitions particularly in the sport of hockey and uh, they are probably going to be pretty goddamn good uh, at the Winter Olympics this year. So, well, I guess technically 2022, but whatever. The point here is I'm stuck just like a lot of you are stuck. A lot of you who, like me, don't have it in you to be bandwagon fans. 
we're here. We got to watch this. We got to watch them lose six to nothing to the Pittsburgh Penguins. In case you haven't figured out, we're almost four minutes into the podcast, and I, I am absolutely not going to be recapping that. I'm not going to sit here and describe six straight goals, one of which, by the way, came with like eight seconds left on the clock. This team couldn't even close it out and keep it five nothing. That's how much of an embarrassment to the city of Montreal this team has become. And I honestly don't want to go into another, you know, fire this person, fire that person rant. I don't want to. It was brought up the last time that I did it. Uh, A lot of people are saying, you know, you're beating a dead horse. I don't think I'm beating a dead horse when I do that, by the way, because the horse is still alive. It's still there. It's still taking a shit on everything that I love. So I want to keep beating it because I want to kill it as much as I can't because I'm not the person responsible for deciding whether or not to pull that trigger. <clears throat> so uh, the person who decides whether or not to pull that trigger uh, in the end is, is pretty much Jeff Molson. I've talked about this before. Marc Bergevin is not going to fire Dominique Ducharme because he's the one who just handed him a, th- a three-year extension, right? Firing him is akin to admitting that you fucked up and he's not going to do that. Right, So you have to start there. And Jeff Molson appears perfectly content to just sit there and start and just continue counting his beer money, enjoying the additional money that he gets from the Montreal Canadiens. He's president and CEO, so he's collecting a fucking salary, sitting there doing jack shit about the fact that the team is a complete embarrassment on the ice. But there may be some good news there. Because I noticed something today. Somebody tweeted out. Uh, I forget who it was. They tweeted out a picture from, I think it was a Ticketmaster shot. And somebody was selling tickets, a pair of tickets, in the fourth row. So in the Reds, in the Bell Center, in the fourth row. So literally four rows up from the glass. Ten bucks a piece. Twenty bucks for two tickets. Now, I submit to you that whoever paid the 20 bucks for those two tickets still managed to get ripped off because of what they went and watched. Unless, of course, they were Penguins fans, in which case they got a sick deal. But assuming they're Habs fans, uh, they got ripped off because they had to go and watch their team get destroyed. 6 nothing. But this, I think, is the one thing that might make Jeff Molson get off his ass and do something is that his bottom line starts getting affected. I said this in the last podcast when I did a fire everybody rant, right? If he starts losing money or making less, let's face it, he's not losing money anyways. He's already a billionaire. Um, If he starts losing money or making less money more accurately, maybe that triggers him to do something. And I think tickets going for 10 bucks a piece in the Reds let me tell you, I, I, I don't know if everybody who listens to this podcast is, is from the Montreal area or not, but let me tell you as somebody who is from the Montreal area and who has been here for many years, uh, you don't see that. You, you don't see that. Not even in the preseason do you see that. Tickets are way more expensive than that for just to get into the building and sit in the grays up in the nosebleeds. You're paying more than that normally. 20 bucks? To sit four rows off the glass, that tells you all you need to know about the current iteration of this team. It tells you all you need to know. And there's no way that that's not, if that continues to be the case, it's going to eventually affect the bottom line. 
It has to. Because we're going to get to a point where nobody wants to pay to see this bullshit. Nobody's going to want to pay to see, you know, two-on-ones that materialize inside of their own fucking zone. They literally gave up a two-on-one that materialized inside of the zone. Like, Ben Chirac cut all the way across the zone, um, put himself out of position, and then when the Penguins got past him, it was it was a two-on-one. And poor Caden Primo is just sitting there staring down quality scoring chance after quality scoring chance all night. All night. And I saw some... Uh, I saw somebody uh, agreeing with uh, Guy Boucher because Guy Boucher apparently, um, I, I must have missed it, but he was on RDS and he said that, you know, it wasn't the, it's not Dominique Cham's fault, it's the player's fault because they're not playing his system. And somebody retweeted that and was like, yeah, he's right. The players aren't playing his system. What are you talking about? What system? What system do you see out there? Honestly, I'd love to know. Because what I'm seeing is complete disorganization. Now, if you want to sit there and say, oh, it's 100% the player's fault and 0% his fault, what are you talking about? If that was the case and he was a good coach, he'd be able to rein that in and they'd be fixing some of these things. They wouldn't be giving up these two-on-ones that materialize inside of their own zone. They wouldn't be giving up quality scoring chance after quality scoring chance. They would be able to generate some kind of offense. And we've actually seen them do that in swaths this season. Like in, in, in specific games, they've had moments where they've gone, like they, they've had a few blowout wins of their own. So you're telling me that the players just won't play a system. They refuse to play a system. Well, also, let's, let's make another point here. If that's the case, if you have a bunch of players who literally refuse to play your system, then maybe you're a fucking terrible coach. I mean, what kind of command of the room do you have? If none of your players are willing to play your system. So I don't buy that argument for a second. Not for a second. He's out of his depth. I've been saying this over and over again. He's out of his depth. He's got to go. And the only way he's going to go is if the general manager goes. Because the general manager already signed him for three years. Put this guy in his place. Fired and hired multiple coaches over the course of the last 10 years. And look where we are. This has the potential to be the worst Montreal Canadiens season ever. They might be the worst Montreal Canadiens team ever. We're talking about a team that has been around since 1909. Over 100 years. And this year, you know, months after being in the Stanley Cup Final, we have the potential to be looking at the worst iteration of this team ever I know I just repeated that like four times in a row but I need to do that for effect I need everybody to understand like this cannot be tolerated how is nobody fired over this like Christ it's 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 painful to watch this team right now it's painful I legitimately sat through that game and like I wanted to turn it off. I, I wanted to, but I couldn't because again, I'm devoted, right? For the same reason that I can't just switch teams, I can't just switch games off, right? I still remember that game in 2005 against the Rangers where they went down 5 nothing, and then they ended up coming back. So like I always have this little bit of my brain where I'm like, yeah, you can't turn it off. You can't turn it off. There could be four minutes left in the third period and they could be down 9 nothing, and I'll still leave it on just because I have this 
thing where I'm like, yeah, you watch that happen. So, of course, you know, there's always a possibility that this might happen. So, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. Um, silver lining. <laughs> silver lining of the night. Uh, I promised I would come up with a silver lining no matter how bad things get. And I'm sticking to that promise. I'm as dedicated to that promise as I am to the Montreal Canadiens. All right. Um, my silver lining is uh, I'm going to give you two players who I think were the most impressive for me on the Montreal Canadiens roster. And if you're reading the article on HabsEyesInThePrize.com, feel free to agree or disagree with me in the comments section. But the two most impressive players for me were Cole Caulfield and Matthias Norlander. Um, Cole Caulfield, uh, in the second period, the Habs you know, went into that period already down 3 nothing, um, So there wasn't you know, a whole lot of hope for that game just going into that period. But they started to push back a little bit. And a lot of that pushback was generated by Cole Caulfield. He had a shift where he dangled like four different players on the Pittsburgh Penguins. And um, he was just struggling to be able to get a shot off from it. But the, the movement in general, like the speed that he was showing and the hands that he was showing, it's the kind of stuff that you're looking for in a hockey player. You know, he's clearly very talented. He's just on a talentless team. That's harsh. Not a talentless team. He's on a disorganized team. Um, I do believe they have talent. Um, they're just brutally disorganized. But he clearly has a lot of talent, right? He might be one of the most talented players on the team. Might be the most talented player on the team. Um, looked very good after that stint in Laval. I mean, like, uh, there's, there's, there's promise there. Right, I mean, obviously he has not gone the way that a lot of people thought he might this season, myself included. I predicted he was going to score 30 goals this year, and I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but I thought it before the season started. And at the very least, I will say it was a very good game, very encouraging. As for Matthias Norlander, um, same thing for him. He he logged quite a few minutes for uh, for a very young defenseman. Uh, I was surprised that Charme even gave him that much time on ice. And he did well with it. He, he I mean, n nobody did very well on the team, uh, himself included. I'm sure if I grabbed him, like let's say I met him tonight and I pulled him aside and I said, hey, you played a good time, good game tonight, he'd probably tell me to fuck off. Like, we lost 6 nothing. nobody played a good game. No hockey player likes that, especially not a defenseman. But there were some plays that really stood out to me. Like, in the first period, he got the puck uh, just, I think, just outside of the Habs' blue line. So it was kind of into the neutral zone. And he skated it all the way down the ice, made a zone entry pass, and then drove the net and created a scoring chance for Christian Dvorak, uh, who missed the net. But his, his creativity there and his ability to move the puck up the ice was, was fantastic. I mean, if he can do that consistently, he's a legitimate... Uh, player on the blue line for the Montreal Canadiens because they don't have a ton of puck-moving defensemen. I mean, the ones they do, like Jeff Petrie, clearly looks like he's playing injured. So right now, Matthias Norlander might be the most capable puck-moving defenseman on the Montreal Canadiens. So that's your silver lining for tonight. I am intrigued to see more of Cole Caulfield and Matthias Norlander playing like that, Right. And I hope that that becomes the story of the season.
That's it for the podcast. Um, we are running over 15 minutes, so c'est vraiment une grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien. Merci Dominique, tu as vraiment donné beaucoup de temps aux employés de soutien à soir. C'est vraiment très apprécié. We are on Spotify, Megaphone, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. I am on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I'd appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, as always, rain or shine, we will be back with another episode. So, à la prochaine. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.